Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars, and today we're going to talk about amp maintenance. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it, it's cool because kind of during these last several months of COVID and everything else, Chris turned me on to a couple, well, a podcast and then a YouTube channel that kind of really got me going, thinking about my amps more than I than I do normally in terms of maintenance or just, you know, operationally. Which again, I'm, you know, historically, and Chris knows this, I'm lazy in terms of guitar maintenance or amp maintenance. It's like, unless something goes wrong, I, I just kind of forget about it. But um, what's been cool is is going down the rabbit hole of the, the podcast and then the, the the show, the YouTube show. And we'll talk, talk about those in a little bit. But those really got me going in terms of thinking about my amps and the tubes and, and are they happy. And, and also recently, my Vox was kind of, acting up and so sure enough it was a tube and i replaced it and now i've got spare tubes and so i'm trying to be a good amp citizen uh how about you chris same i mean i went through a long period of time where i got really busy so i just kind of like just let my amps kind of just be amps and didn't really think anything about them just grab one when i need one play record do all this stuff and i think it was the the shot across the bow for me was like the tube shortage and i'm like wait a minute, I better take stock in what I have here and what I need and how to, you know, take care of this shit so I can get the most life out of my tubes and my amps. So that's what I did. I started like going through all my amp, doing just like general service, but also doing super nerdy things. Like I popped them open, did like shots of the insides and took voltage readings. Uh Yeah. I just think it's, you know, something you tend not to think about when stuff is working. It's like, great, I don't have to think about it. But, you know, I have a few vintage amps. I kind of feel like I'm the steward of this thing, right? Yeah. I kind of got to keep it, you know, running for, you know, who knows how long I'll be here. Someone's going to have this after me. And, you know, keep it as original as possible, too. You know what I mean? I just don't want to go in there and start replacing things. Yeah. So in order to not do that, I got really into learning about how shit works in there. Like in the past, I mentioned before that I used to build tube amps back in 2008-ish or something. And then I just kind of let that those skills go. And over the pandemic and the tube shortage, I got kind of back into it again. And it's been pretty exciting. And that's what led me to the, the podcast that I found. And there's several YouTube channels that I kind of check out just for info and yeah. just inspiration. Well, what is talking about you building amps, what, what got you into that? I'm I'm kind of curious about that because I know I remember you telling me and showing me amps that you built and they were really cool. I played through a couple. What what got you into that when you when you were doing that? Was it just that you wanted a, a certain amp but you didn't couldn't afford it, or or just sheer curiosity? No, absolutely, that's it. I always wanted a tweed amp and I couldn't afford it. But the thing that really got me into it, probably in like 2006 or something, uh, there was like a blowout on. Epiphone Val Jr. amps. It was like a $100 single tube amp. It was based on like a champ. Uh-huh. I snagged one of those, a kind of impulse bought one of those. And through that, there were all of these like budding modification sites for modifying that amp. So I just took that amp apart, modified it a million times. And, and it kind of got, my, got me inside of amps and figuring out amp safety and all that stuff. And I just started trying a bunch of shit. And I really liked dicking around with that. So my very next step was to try to build a tweed amp. And around that time, I was in a thrift store and I found an old silver tone air organ. 
Like it was a standout, like just a cheap Italian made organ section with a, a little tube amp in the bottom. And the tube amp in the bottom was basically a champ. It was from like 1961. It was kind of a hot mess, but I used that. I used the tubes, the transformers and anything else I could salvage. And I built a, a 5F1 tweed champ. So I went out and I bought like a repro um, champ chassis mounted the transformers, mounted like tube sockets and anything else that I could salvage. And then I built the circuit board. So I learned how to build a champ, which is like the great starting thing because it's so simple and it's so rewarding because it sounds so damn good. And I still use that today. And then from there, I just kind of, you know me, anytime I get into something a little bit, there is no little bit. It's always (laughs) way down, deep dive into it. So I built like maybe four or five more after that, like a deluxe, uh, Marshall 18 watt, like a Kalamazoo model one, which is basically a, a champ, but with an EL 84 and a couple other things, I think. And then it kind of got out of it. No, I know what happened after I built a number of amps. I learned that I didn't really like building amps as much as I liked collecting and taking care of and restoring old amps. Yeah. So I like kind of gave up building and just focused on a few kind of basket cases and brought them back and did some things for friends on their amps, got them up and running. So that's how I got into it. And then I just totally, you know, here I have a small stockpile of amps. I hadn't thought about it for months and I just played them for months and years. And then just given the p- pandemic and the tube shortage that we went through, kind of stirred that up again. So now I'm back to, you know, dicking around with amps. <laughs> I hope that answered your question. It, it did, man. Cause I, I kind of always been curious about that, but that's a good segue into like, so, so the, the podcast that Chris turned me on to is the truth about vintage amps with Skip Simmons. And um, he is, for those of you who don't know, uh, he is the amp guy in Northern California and he's worked on everybody's amp. Who's anybody tube amp that is vintage tube amp. And I, Chris turned me on to this and I, I totally dig it. But the main reason I, I love this guy is because his philosophy is very in line with Chris's and my philosophy about gear in general, which is leave it alone as much as you can, or you know, without messing up the vintage nature of it. But like you were saying, you're a caretaker of this stuff. You're, you're, and, and, you know, Skip Simmons considers himself basically just a maintenance man or a repair man, right? Like all of the old TV repair people, you know, where you come in and you just, you know, it used to work fine the way when it was brand new, his job is to get it to just work the way it did when it was brand new, you know, not, and, and, you know, the caveat is he, you know, based on what the needs of the customer are, he will, you know, he'll do what you know, needs to be done, but basically his, his rule of thumb is, Hey, and also his rule of thumb is, you know, when somebody has a quote problem, he says, well, the first thing I do is I service the amp, you know, I clean it. I make sure the tube sockets are clean, everything. And then from there, if something's still wrong, then, then he'll go in to figure it out. But I just, I love, I just love his philosophy about amp repair, you know? Totally. To keep it as original as possible for as long as possible is, is kind of a noble thing to do. I mean, nobody wants to try to drag a tweet amp with leaky caps out to a show, you know? So definitely he's into addressing that. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that get replaced in amps as part of a tech service that doesn't need to be replaced. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm pro changing anything that's 
obviously bad. I mean, there's no reason to have have an amp with bad parts in it just to keep it original. I'm not into that. Having the knowledge to be able to test that and know and think responsibly about what to do in that situation is what I'm for. Yeah, and me too. And I just love that whole ethos of exactly like you're saying. It's like because, like you said, there there are some people where their rule of thumb is no. When you get a vintage amp, this is you just automatically replace these parts. And it's like no, no, no. You test like you said, test everything out and see which parts are bad, which parts still have longevity to them, and and leave as much as you can intact. You know, because I just I just think there's something, and I do love players who who take their gear out and play it too the vintage gear oh yeah no, I think that's absolutely so cool man and you know granted it's it's a crapshoot because you know all kinds of shit can happen somebody can steal it or it can get damaged or any number of things but right. you know this stuff is made to be played you know and so i love it when people you know you know large acts or, or some just working musician has cool vintage gear that they take out and they play you know and record with and everything else i think it's cool yeah, that's what it's for. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's so much. The other thing, too, when I got back into this, I had forgotten a bunch of shit. So I'm like trying to remember <laughs> all the nerdy details that I collected back in the, the early 2000s. And there's just a ton of misinformation out there and just like a bunch of like schools of thought that I don't agree with after, you know, finding, you know, looking into things for myself and testing things and thinking about things. It's like, no, I don't agree with that. And, you know, knowing how to do that, I was thinking that it must be, it's much harder to find an amp tech that you can trust than like a guitar tech, because everything's right there. You know, if he messes up your guitar, it's there. All the stuff inside, what did they do in there? You know, and yeah. even some techs who seem to be pretty savvy, you got to make sure you're down with what they're doing. Yeah. That's what I like about podcasts like Skips too, is, is granted some of these areas can be gray and there's and he even says you know he there's room for disagreement which is totally cool but by and large he's he's got so much experience he's worked on so many amps he's got all this knowledge that that's another service that he provides is just trying to clear the air on a lot of this misinformation or or misconceptions people have about things there's a lot of horror stories out there from tech experience even just like recently i'm helping my friend sell a bunch of gear, like guitars and amps. And he has a really cool drip edge basement. Oh, and yeah. I said, cool, we'll take some pictures. Is it all original? He goes, no, we just had a cap job and they replaced the, the power transformer. And I'm like, okay. Um, it, it was a, in Nashville, a tech in Nashville. And so when I was writing to get more information. I'm like, so you still have the old transformer and the caps, right? And he said, no, he didn't get them. <sighs> And I'm like, so now that makes me wonder what else is going on inside. Right. You get a cap job. So I guess we'll have to look in there and see. That's the thing. It's like a power transformer being bad is pretty rare. It's, right. it's pretty rare. It's not, I'm not saying that the dude didn't find a bad transformer, but if you find a bad transformer in an amplifier, it's part of the amp. You know exactly. what I mean? The same exactly. numbers on it, the serial numbers and all that stuff that should be with the amp. So that is a red, a tech red flag right there. Yep. Hopefully, because it's a really cool, it's a really cool amp. So hopefully, it's it's all good. And I don't think a a power transformer in a in a basement like that, given that there are so many great, you know, options for transformers now, would yeah. be like a piece of death. But it's definitely going to ding that a little bit. And totally. And if he just well, replaced the big filter caps, is it going to be better than if he replaced all the caps? Yeah. This cap job to some people means you know something 
else entirely. Well, well like, like you're saying, I mean, I think, you know, one of the rules of thumb of, of good techs is if I replace parts in your vintage amp, you'll get all the, the original parts that I took out. You know, I'm not going to throw them away or exactly because you want, you know, you want to retain those so that you can just it, it can still be kind of part of the whole package and somebody buying it can go, oh, okay, cool. You know, but like you said, too, exactly. I mean, that would make me wonder if, if you know, they replace the transformer. Yeah. Uh, it's, because the transformer is still good. I mean, Skip yeah. was talking on one of those podcast episodes about someone coming to him with an amp that they had a bad power transformer. And he, he said, bring the transformer. And the dude brought the transformer and the transformer was fine. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? But now I guess we'll never know because that transformer is <laughs> no longer there. Nobody should put bad parts in an amp. But you should think about the originality of an amp. Yep. Is you should look at it like if I could take this bag of parts and put them back in this amp, this amp is original. That means that bag of parts is, has value for that amp. Even the cord, I mean, an old two-prong cord, if it's original, stick it in the bag and let the let the new owner have it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's all good stuff too. It's like, because I'm the same way. It's hard for me to, to trust a, an amp tech because yeah, much more so than guitars, I think, like you said, because there's a lot less going on in a guitar, most, you know, for the most part. But yeah, the amps, there's so much going on in there. And and like you said, too, I've, I remember I've had amp service. And a lot of times it's like after I get it back, I'm like, what did they do? You know, and, and so, yeah, I think I think it really behooves all of us to to do a bunch of research and and get get ref- referral, you know, have, you know, if a friend of ours has a good tech, make sure you trust somebody that's going to work on your amp. And then also, like you were saying, like, make sure they, their protocol kind of meets your requirements, you know, like you and I, like my protocol is, Hey, I, I expect a bag of parts. Cause I know that even my guitar, like I remember I've gotten bags of parts when somebody's like, I had a bad pot or something in a guitar and, you know, I sure enough, they put the old pot in and gave it back to me. So yeah, I think that's important just as a trust factor too. Like, Hey, this is what I took out of your amp. Here it is, you know? Right. Especially with a vintage amp, you have a little bit of added responsibility when it's something vintage because there's only so many of them. Yeah. But also like you were talking about tubes, like I don't, I I never paid that much attention to my tubes until something went wrong. And so I had an issue recently where um, one of the tubes is going bad in my box and sure enough, I started, you know, changing them out and, and, uh, it was the main, the first tube that, that was bad. So I replaced it. Now I have a, a spare set of tubes, which I never had before. So that's another thing I would recommend, you know, players at least have a spare set of tubes so that if, if you're suspecting something's going on at a gig or something, it, it's, it's so weird though. It's insidious and gradual a lot of times that when tubes go bad. So, but sometimes it, it really manifests in obvious ways. Like my amp was noisy and I was getting some weird feedback. So it was like the diagnosis wasn't super hard to make, but I, if I had a set of tubes on me earlier, I probably would have changed them out and, and not had the, the bad amp for as long as I did and put up with it. You know? it, sorry. Was it a preamp tube? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So my tube issue just kind of caused me to think again, think more about amp maintenance and, and, keeping a spare set of tubes on me for my amps. And, and I, I, you know, I checked out my music master bass amp and other amps too, just to make sure everything was copacetic. So, yeah. I never carry tubes with me. No. Well, I did the last time I went into the studio, I threw some 12 AX sevens in a, in a bag. Uh-huh. And now I have, I dug out all my tubes. So I have like spares 
for everything. And I might, I, don't, I still don't, I, I still don't bring the shows. I mean, I, yeah. realistically with a, in a healthy amp, I mean, you really, I haven't had to change tubes very often at all. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, take my 64 Princeton. It's on its second set of new old stock power tubes since 1997. That's awesome. So, I yeah. mean, I'm getting decades out of those tubes and there's sources that will tell you if you play your amp a lot, you know, you change your tubes once a year. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like change your tubes when they need to be changed. Yeah. I mean, and you should be able to tell that's the, that's the key thing. I think that is really important. Pay attention to your amp and kind of know it, know when it sounds good and, you know, know so you can listen for things. I mean, any extra noise or it sounds a little rough, look for, you know, check the tubes and see if they're, you know, the power tubes, make sure they're not red plating, you know, glowing really hot. But for the most part, I'm just, I've been thrilled with how trouble-free my tube amps have been my entire playing life. That's awesome. I was reading up when I was doing some of my research, I came across someone posting in a thread that was dealing with, you know, biasing, which is something that is just like, just off the hook with like misinformation and people just freaking out about. Yeah. And this poor person was like, I, they were talking about biasing an amp. And he said, that's why I don't play tube amps is because he doesn't want to have to deal with biasing the amp or changing tubes and having a tech bias his amp. It's like, that really sucks that you're like, like just closing yourself down to the world of tube amps because you don't want to deal with something that how often do you have to deal with that exactly. <laughs> since playing since the 70s yeah exactly it's Very like seldom yeah yeah well, sure it's something that and if you're that worried about it get a cathode biased amp you know what i mean and just you know yeah change the tubes exactly. and don't exactly. worry about it to be fair I mean, I was stressing out about that too. You know, I have my Princeton is a fixed bias amp, which means you have to at least check it when you change the tubes, but there's no, there's no adjustment in it. It's just a fixed resistor. So I was thinking about, well, maybe I should put a pot in there and all this stuff I was stressing out about. And then what I did was I bought a bias probe so I could at least check it. When I changed the tubes, I checked the bias and it's like, this looks good to me. So good. A lot of people assume that if you have a tube amp, you're going to just open yourself up to all kinds of maintenance and trouble and all this other shit. And it's just not true. There's amps from the (laughs) forties. Exactly. Still kicking. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so much bringing stuff to a gig. It's just like, I, I, I never had tubes on hand at all. Like, yeah. Until and like you say, I mean, the rule of thumb, you know, you shouldn't really need to. You shouldn't really need to stockpile tubes either, because like you said, if the tubes are good and your amp is healthy, then the tubes will last a long, long time. So, and I think mine was just I've had this amp for a while now, and I don't know, maybe, and and it, it had you know I think rubies in it or whatever, but you know newer tubes that aren't as as good as the old tubes. So, and that's something you said. I'm speaking about a lot of times. I'm speaking about old either new old stock or just plain old tubes yeah and those are probably more robust some of these tubes we don't know how long they're going to last like if they're going to last as long and some of them just plain don't last that long i think i've had some jj12 ax7s that have gotten noisy you know in like a year or more and usually a good 12x7 will last a long time a long long time so yeah that's something to be said and which brings you to that, oh, do I want to pay all that money for new old stock? And I'm at the point right now where I still have a, a, a some old tubes that I've you know stockpiled from back in the days of like scavenging stuff. 
And when those run out, I've already started to start trying new tubes. I mean, I've got some JJ six V sixes that I'm trying. And so far, I think I have one pair in my music master bass amp and they're going on like six months or so and they're still going strong. So I'll give them a whirl. And, you know, I'm, I'm open to trying stuff because I'm almost out of the old stuff and the new old stock is super expensive and sound wise, as far as power tubes is, I really can't hear a difference. I mean, yeah, I, I can, I've a would you know, RCAs against, you know, whatever. And it doesn't, I can't really hear that much of a difference in preamp tubes a little bit like, cause there's, there's a gain factor, especially if it's in the first position. So but it's not that apparent. I mean, yeah. to hear people talk about, you know, roll, tube rolling, have you heard that? Uh-uh. Like where you just take a bunch of like preamp tubes and you like put them in one at a time and see which ones sound the best. Oh. And to hear people describe that process, it's just something I haven't experienced where it's like, I put this tube in and it, suddenly the mid-range became ultra transparent and it had right. just like, it's like a tone control or something. And oh, got it. I certainly haven't experienced that. So it's funny. I mean, with a tube amp is like anything else. If it's a, a foot pedal or whatever, they'll find one thing, one component in the whole amp that they apply the mojo to. And that's where the mojo comes from. Right. And it's like, it's never with a tube amp, it's never been more apparent that it's the sum of the parts that make the amp sound what it does. I mean, you can take a pair of chopsticks inside like a tweed champ and move the wires around and here it'll sound different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, all the little bits which is why when you're dealing with an original amp it's like keeping as many of those bits in there you know helps retain the original sound of the amp so amen amen yeah i mean that's what i would i guess that's you know to wrap up that's the advice i would give anybody is like like you're saying just know your amps you know play them kind of know how they sound and and also kind of you know know when they don't sound right or, or something's going on and and so that you can diagnose it and and like like we we're saying before too like maybe the first step is just maintenance you know or you know service yeah make sure everything's clean make sure everything's you know the way it should be before you start to think oh was there something major wrong with my amp you know yeah a lot of times it's it's uh, the like cleanliness of things like the pots and the the tube sockets are some of the the most important things. There's many times where I was convinced, oh, the tubes are bad. The tubes are bad because it would be like, I just cleaned the tube sockets not too long ago. But sure enough, uh, it's like a, a tube socket. Once they get old, it, they get prone to, you know, like build up. But, but you know, if you're telling people to get into that, to do that themselves, they should definitely, you want to check out like tube amp safety first. People are terrified of tube amplifiers. And I was before I started too, because it just, everything out there just suggests that as soon as you open a tube amp up, there's like 300 volts of electricity is going to find you. But the thing of it is, is with a good meter and just a little bit of know-how, you can check for voltage and get rid of it. And it's in there. So the, the, I mean, the dangerous thing, anybody that wasn't actually inside an amp working, the one thing to keep in mind is retensioning tube sockets which is something that needs to be done once the, you know, they've, they've been a lot of tube changes and the tube sockets are getting old is like the little pins that hold or the little cups that hold the pins of the tubes will get loose from just, you know, over time. And you have to kind of go in there with a tool and retention them. And that's something that you definitely want to make sure you know how to get rid of the voltage in your amp before you try that, because that'll zap you. Yeah. 
that's a good point too, is just safety and being mindful of what you should do before you go in and start poking around. Yeah, that's a good call. To illustrate my 1964 Princeton, which I've played a lot, I've never had to retention the tube sockets in that. I got it in 97, so I don't know if it had been done before that, but it's still, I've never had, the only thing that I've done to that since I've had it, changed the power tubes once. Um, I don't think I've ever changed the preamp tubes in that since I've had it. And I've cleaned the sockets maybe four times, probably since 2008, since I took interest in amps. I think it's maybe three or four times I've cleaned the tube sockets and it's running great. I grabbed that before the last, one of my last shows where I was doing a small strip down thing where I didn't need a lot of power. And it was, it was great. I mean, I love that amp. It gets played all the time. That's going to need something someday. I mean, it's, it's so original. So my plan is just to keep an eye on it. You know what I mean? And yearly maintenance and check it out, pop it open every once in a while, check the voltages, listen for anything. If it yeah. starts getting noisy or something, I have some things I can look at, but I'm going to keep that as, a, as original as I can. For yeah, and like you were saying, I mean, you know, when you really think about it and you really look back, like tube amps aren't that big a maintenance hassle at all. I mean, really. And so, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I just like you're saying, just keep your eye on it and, and do service it and clean it and make sure it's okay. But by and large that, you know, if you've got a tube amp, it'll, it'll last a long, long, long time. And with most of the original parts. So yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. So we recommend that podcast to anybody that's interested in amps. We'll put links on our site and everything too. Um, it's the truth about vintage amps with Skip Simmons. And then also we, we didn't really touch on, but there's a YouTube channel for um, Fazio Electric and it's Colleen Fazio and she's a great amp tech and she basically does work on amps and you can be a fly on the wall and watch her, you know, do repairs and, and fix these amps. And it's really cool. So that's great. Yeah. You get to look over her shoulder when she does a lot of cool restoration stuff. Yep. There's also another one I'll shout out is uncle Doug. He's got great, like very informative videos. He's, he's kind of kooky, but cool. lots of great, great, like look over the shoulder into some really cool amps and just, that's a really informative one. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks for listening as always, Chris and I appreciate it. And um, we'll keep doing it. And uh, you got any parting thoughts, Chris? No, just rock and roll, okay? <laughs> Until next time. Later. Bye.